It is time for us to begin our midday program here on this Tuesday. Scott Foster in here with you. Thank you so much for joining us as we take a look here at uh, some of the stories we've got coming your way over the next couple hours. Susan Littlefield's in here. Jason Jorgensen is here. Bob Brogan here. The gang is all here, if you will. And uh, we'll begin with Susan. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. My jaw is like just kind of dropped as I'm looking at these grain prices. Yeah. And at the same time, um, ABC News shared a uh, tweet from our Nebraska State Patrol about why seatbelts save lives on a frosty road in outside of Lincoln earlier this week. It's mm. an awesome dash cam video, and I've reshared it on my Twitter. Okay. It, it's pretty pretty moving. All right. Well, boy, you're just all full of emotion here. How and everybody, <laughs> and everybody was fine. I should I should clarify that everybody was okay. 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 Good. That's that's good. That's good. Well, Wazdi came out. Uh, feel okay about it? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, we're gonna get more coming up here, obviously, with Mike Suzalo and and Clay Patton. But yeah, some limit up on the corn craziness on the soybeans. We're not gonna even look at the livestock side. Nope. 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 Uh, that's. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about that. But, yeah, we needed a little excitement on a Tuesday, and so I think this has done it. Very good. What do you got for us today? Well, we're going to kick everything off at 1219 with Alex. The Animal Ag Alliance has an upcoming opportunity to be a part of their Animal Ag Allies program. So she's going to bring us more details on that. Then at 1245, we're continuing our three-part series as we talk with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. Today he talks about something I think all bosses out there who sent employees to work from home, and that was productivity and very well done by the local FSA offices. He'll talk more about that. And a new program that was introduced just this last week. And then Bryce will wrap up everything at 117. The Nebraska Farm Bureau's Young Farmers and Ranchers Conference is a go for this year. So something not virtual. We'll find out more about that from him at 117. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Let's turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. And uh, this just in, um, Alabama's good. Yeah, they are, and they'll continue to be good as long as Nick Saban wants to coach uh, those guys. Six national championship in 12 years. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Wow. They just, I mean, it was um, unbelievable, the athletes that they had on the field last night. It's just amazing to see. You know, that's the sad thing now, though, with college football. Every year it begins, there's really only three teams yeah. that could win it, and it's the same three every year, and then you throw in a fourth one who's an mm-hmm. outlier to get into the playoffs, and so, but that's... That's what ESPN wants. That's what they got. I would think the ratings last night wouldn't have been very good, though, in the second half. I know I turned that game off at halftime when it was 35-17. I mean, you, you knew it was done. Yeah, it was, there was but no that, stopping that. But that's that's a dominant team. And wow. 95 Huskers would have a hard time slowing those guys down. Yeah, it would be an interesting matchup with Nebraska's <laughs> defensive speed. But holy cow, they were. I know that's two different eras, but I sat yeah. there watching that last night going, that's that's an offense. That's that's an NFL oh, team yeah. right there. So, anyway, the college football season is done. I'm glad they were able to find a way to pull yeah. it off. So it, It's good, yeah. and, and, boy, that they have a lot of problems, but they were able to get it, they done. Got it done. So, good for them. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks up a little bit. Actually, I'd check that. They're down a little bit now. Stocks are uh, drifting a little bit. Uh, they were close to their record heights, while uh, Treasury yields keep marching Higher amid expectations, the economy will pull out of its slump after a powerful recovery sweeps the globe later this year. 
Also, uh, social media platforms are continuing to crack down on fringe groups. Okay. Thank you very much, Bob. Let's turn it over to Clay. time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And uh, we've got our very own Tyler Cavalli stepping back in here. He's uh, been working since he left the air in the uh, weather center to to get you all the information that he can from that. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Alabama's good, by the way. They're pretty good. Uh, You know, better than most. You know... (laughs) That was wow. a hot take. That was a hot take there, boy. Uh, do you think they could p- compete with uh, the lousy Jacksonville Jaguars? Oh, I think so. You I think? That's a good question. You know, they used to kind of do that, where they right, would yeah, take a yeah. team. But, uh, oh boy, I... I mean, most of those guys that are playing for Alabama, or at least that started, yeah. half of those dudes are going to go play in the NFL anyway, right? I know. So, I'm I know. just saying. They're but, NFL guys already. But Jacksonville's got Minshew, right? So it's true. Uh, so you don't true. Uh, you don't look you don't look past that. He's one. got some uh, weird powers. <laughs> Alabama has lots of uh, real powers. I don't know. That'd be right. an interesting matchup. But we're not here to talk just about ask him. That. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good thing to ponder. So all our listeners can ponder that for a moment. I, Very good. Okay. Good. Well. Good. Well. Hey, it's going to be. It's pretty nice today. It's going to be really nice mm-hmm. tomorrow, and uh, then the wheels fall off just a little bit. Well, it will. Yeah, in case you haven't uh, heard or you haven't stepped outside yet, uh, we're going to see 50s today. Whoa. It's already warming up right now. And by tomorrow, we will have 60s in most areas. Actually, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I said this this morning. If in certain locations, you ended up seeing a 60-degree range here or there. I mean, right now, Mm -hmm. Kimball's at 47. So it's not out of the question that there might be a couple of areas in the western region of our listening area by the end of today that that top out at 60. You know, it's not surprising. One of the things I noticed that was interesting yesterday was how consistent the temperatures were. I mean, you were at 47 degrees in Scotts Bluff and in Fall City and in Shadron. It was, in, in really looking at this right now, it's still... Even region wide, with the exception of Colorado, is a little chillier. It's uh, it's pretty much mid forties, early thirties. Yeah, there. If there's any thirties that are lingering around, they're upper thirties. So mm-hmm. it, it's only a matter of time until everybody in the state does get to forty. But as Scott mentioned, while today and tomorrow will be uh, unseasonably warm, fifties uh, today and sixties tomorrow. The two main stories of the week is the uh, warmth, obviously, and then those strong northwest winds that will impact the area Thursday and Friday. Today's temperatures in the forecast reach the 50s across the entire area under mostly clear skies and light west winds. Wednesday will be even warmer with highs in the upper 50s and 60s, but cloud cover will start to increase in the afternoon. A cold front will then sweep through the area Wednesday night into Thursday morning, bringing those nasty, strong northwest winds and some light rain and snow to portions of the area, primarily for north-central Nebraska. Widespread gusts of around uh, 60 miles per hour are expected through the day on Thursday and will likely continue into Friday as well. Now, as we've talked about overall, mixed rainfall prospects in South America and mainly dry conditions across the interior United States are the primary features for the commodity market's attention today. The DTN Ag weather forecast calls for a light to locally moderate precipitation in the northern Midwest during the next week, coming as a mix of rain and snow. Other areas will be mainly dry, and moisture chances in the Ohio Valley increase in the 8- to 14-day time frame. Now, drought conditions remain in effect over much of the southern plains. 
as very little precipitation is expected outside of the northeastern corner of the region during the next 10 days. Now, northern plain areas have snow indicated to cross the region during the midweek time frame. As temperatures are forecasted to remain mostly above normal through the next 10 days. Seasonal cold is indicated during the 10 to 14 day period. Meanwhile, the majority of Brazil's primary crop areas have moderate to heavy rain in the forecast through the next week. This will be useful for crop moisture. Heaviest amounts are indicated over northern and central areas. However, some southern areas could also see locally heavy rain. And Argentina's central crop areas received light to locally moderate rain during the first part of the week. Another system will move through late Thursday and Friday with additional widespread moderate showers. The pattern turns drier after this week, and most of the primary crop areas of Argentina area are in drought with rain offering limited benefit. But again, the story today, the warmer temperatures in the 50s across much of the region. Thursday calling for 60s as well before those strong northwest winds move in late Wednesday evening, last all day Thursday and into Friday afternoon. Again, we could see gusts around 50 to 60 miles per hour. Get the chin straps out, is what you're saying. Keep that hat on. Have you seen the snow that they've had in Europe? I saw Spain. They got inundated, which they usually don't, with as much snow that they had. They said uh, 20 inches in in Madrid, and so... Not in one day, though, right? I don't know. Actually, I don't know how long the period was, but they said that it's people can't get the vaccinations because the airport in Madrid was shut down. And so uh, Italy, I saw, had a bunch of snow, too. So they've been getting a lot of snow in Europe. As far as I know, Madrid uh, and, you know, some of Italy's mountains, yeah. uh, but they don't they don't get a lot of snow, I don't think. I don't, I don't think so either. So I guess I don't know my European no, snowfall. but You're, uh, you're I, not a European climatologist. <laughs> After all, but it really is uh, it's something to see when we haven't gotten. Right. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that the other day, and I'm going to knock on wood here because, okay. you know, while we need the precipitation, for the most part, you know, we did have about four or five weeks in a row where we did have a, a snowstorm that came through and caused some havoc yes. uh, and some rain. But for the most part, it's, you know, it hasn't been too terrible. Right. But it is only January 12th. Right. So you did you knock on wood? I, I did. did. Okay. I, I don't know if you heard, but I did. I didn't, but I was just wanted to check. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Tyler. Where do you go check in on your weather? For more weather, visit krvn.com. The Animal Ag Alliance has some new opportunities to get involved in the industry. And today we're joined on the phone by Emily Solis. She is the communications specialist with the Alliance. Emily, before we get too far into this conversation, what exactly is the Animal Ag Alliance? Yeah, so the Animal Agriculture Alliance is an industry-united nonprofit organization um, that really works to bridge the communication gap between farm and fork. Um, And we really have three ways that we, you know, strive to achieve this goal. Uh, The first is by connecting key industry stakeholder groups to arm them with responses to emerging issues. Um, We also engage with um, restaurant retail brands, registered dietitians, and then we also work to protect animal agriculture from groups that are spreading damaging misinformation. So, Emily, we were talking before we came on air that now is such an important time for the Alliance to be sharing this message, especially with more people cooking at home and getting their groceries from the grocery store and paying more attention to that. What does that look like from the Alliance's perspective? 
Yeah, the COVID-19 pandemic has definitely had some negative, you know, downsides for sure. But I think there's also been a lot of positives that we've seen come from this. Um, you know, the first is that, you know, people really, agriculture has always been essential. But I think, you know, now we've officially been deemed essential by the federal government. Um, so people are really kind of waking up and understanding more that, you know, food doesn't just show up on the grocery store shelves. We've been seeing that consumer confidence in farming has, you know, been growing and improving, which is really awesome to see. Um, we've also, you know, been seeing animal rights activists trying to capitalize on the current situation. All right. So we were also talking that there's a new opportunity for people to get involved in this industry. Tell us a little bit more about these opportunities. Yeah, it's super important that we're all sharing our message because we're, we're such a small community within agriculture. And if we're not out there, you know, telling our story, who's going to tell it for us? Um, a lot of times it ends up being animal rights activists who are spreading this misinformation. Um, but at the Alliance, you know, we offer two programs, one of which is, you know, focused on college students. It's called our College Aggies Online Program. Um, and this is essentially a nine week scholarship competition. Um, for individuals. And then we also have a club competition um, where we really try to engage and, um, you know, provide some developmental information about agricultural advocacy, how to be a good advocate, how to be an advocate that, you know, reaches outside of our echo chamber, outside of our ag choir to reach the people that we really are trying to reach um, and keep them engaged. Um, so we actually just wrapped up this program. We have it every fall, um, but we just wrapped it up, I think, last week. Um, so we're, you know, very happy with the success that we've seen with that over the years. And then we've also just launched our Animal Ag Allies program earlier this year. Um, and this program is geared towards farmers, ranchers, practicing veterinarians um, to really empower them to be outspoken advocates for agriculture. Uh, so some of our, you know, members that we work with um, are species specific. So this program um, kind of gives you an overview of animal agriculture as a whole, um, how to address some of these contentious issues like sustainability, animal welfare, how to engage on topics that can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable. All right. Thanks so much, Emily. And it looks like the deadline to enroll in the next class of Animal Ag Allies is coming up. It's Tuesday, February 5th, and you can find more information on their website. It's animalagalliance.org. Again, we've been visiting with Emily Solis. She is the communication specialist for the Animal Agriculture Alliance. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports. Jason Jorgensen in studio with us. And, uh, you know, after after a day of bad news, there was at least a little bit of good news for the Huskers yesterday. Yeah, and he was getting arguably the top offensive player at the FCS level. It's Montana wide receiver Samore Torre announced he'll play for the Big Red. The senior has one year of eligibility remaining. Montana did not play football this last fall due to the pandemic. Oh. As a junior, he was named first-team All-American and was second in all of FCS with 87 catches for almost 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns. That stat line alone is higher than all of the passing yards combined by the Husker receivers this fall. Just think about that. Yeah. Uh, he needed just 37 more catches and about 500 yards to become Montana's all-time league receiver. 
Sounds like he is enrolling in NU now. He will be here for winter conditioning and will be here in the spring. Well, you know, and I wasn't real aware of his numbers, and I wasn't so excited about coming from Montana. But, boy, you're right. He is uh, he's, He looks pretty good. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, so we'll see. Now, that position has been a struggle for Scott Frost in Lincoln. He's recruited a number of quality guys who look good on paper, and then mm-hmm. they show up and they never produce. i got to think uh, Torrey won't be standing on the sidelines next fall. So. Hope, hope not. And hope hopefully not. they find somebody to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. been quite the start to the year for the Carnegie Catholic boys basketball team as the Stars are 10-2 and two and ranked third in Class C1 by the Omaha World Herald. Coach Bob Langan says pieces are in place to have a big year. I, I think we do, and this is kind of one of the years when this uh, group of seniors were freshmen that, hey, you're, you know, this they played a lot of basketball together when they were little, and then you mix in Mahoney and Murs and Schmatter and them other juniors. I think we do have a special team this year if we bring that energy that we brought against Central Catholic especially. Carney Catholic went 2-0 last week with wins over Central Catholic, in which they limited them to seven points in the first half. And they also beat North Platte. Tonight they host 2-6 Lexington. We will bring you those games here on 880 KRVN and 106.9 at Kearney. College basketball action tonight, 6th-ranked Kansas is at Oklahoma State. Big one in the Big Ten is 7th-ranked Michigan collides with 9th-ranked Wisconsin. And for the fourth straight year, the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, has been named the Kansas Sportscaster of the Year. Thompson, who's in his 19th year as a play-by-play voice of the Wildcats, is a six-time winner of the award and ranks second all-time among K-State broadcasters and awards. And he's a really nice guy, too. And really? Done a great job for a long time for the Wildcats. I've listened to him some of his games. Mm-hmm. He does a nice he's, call. He's good, good call. and he's just as good of a guy. All right, that's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Good news! KRVN is now available on your voice-activated smart speaker. Log into Amazon and search KRVN to enable our skill. Ask your device to open KRVN, and Alexa will take it from there. 12.30, time for us to check in with KRVN News, our very own Ellen Simmons. I always say that. Why do we always say that? Our very I, own. I like, Like we've, you know, we're sharing you with somebody. But uh, <laughs> it, it, thank you for, for coming in. I appreciate it. Uh, lots of stuff, lots of stuff going on in the world right now. Yep. Okay. So. Tell us about it. Well, Governor Peter Ricketts held a news conference during which he declared today Religious Freedom Day, saying that religious freedom is one of the most cherished rights enjoyed in our country, especially now. Things that we know about a pandemic when we ask for social distancing and so forth is that isolation can create depression. People can lose that connectivity with other people. And religious organizations help restore that connectivity, not only to Almighty God, but to each other. So it's an important thing. Ricketts signed a proclamation and had guest speakers discuss the importance of religious freedom. Well, more than 40% of Nebraskans' 90,000 healthcare workers have received the first two doses of the coronavirus vaccine 
as the state is ramping up distribution. State health officials said 78,074 of the 144,363 doses Nebraska has received so far have been administered. They primarily gone to health care workers and residents and workers at long-term care facilities have also begun getting vaccines. About 10,000 people in the state have received both doses of the vaccine. Governor Pete Ricketts says health officials are still working through first-tier recipients. Some areas of the state have stated or excuse me, have started vaccinating the next high-priority group, people who are at least 75 years old. Police say a rideshare driver and his passenger were killed in a crash in northeast Omaha. Police say in a news release that the crash happened at 24th and Lake Streets shortly after 1 p.m. Monday when a speeding SUV ran a red light and hit a car being used for a Z-Trip ride. An investigator say the Z-Trip passenger, 60-year-old Laren Imani, of Omaha was unrestrained in the back seat and died at the scene. Police say the Z-Trip the, the Z driver, 49-year-old Terrell Lindsay of Omaha, was taken to a hospital and died shortly after arrival. Police say the driver of the SUV, 43-year-old Chaz Booker, was hospitalized with a head injury but is expected to survive. Officials say he will face charges in the fatal crash once he's released from the hospital. And finally, North Platte police took a subject into custody Monday without incident in connection with a New Year's Day stabbing. 53-year-old Nick Cooper was jailed at the Lincoln County Detention Center for first-degree assault and use of a weapon to commit a felony. On January 1st at 10.19 p.m., officers responded to the, one, the, excuse me, to the 1100th block of North Walnut for an assault. They found a 32-year-old male victim who had a stab wound to the abdomen. Officers learned that the victim and Cooper got into an argument outside the residence. During the argument, Cooper stabbed the victim one time in the abdomen. The argument continued briefly after the assault, and Cooper then fled the scene prior to the law enforcement's arrival. The victim was transported by the North Platte Fire Department to Great Plains Health, where he was treated for his injuries. The victim suffered serious but not life-threatening injuries from the assault. Well, you can find more news at krvn.com. Thanks, Alan. I've never heard of Z-Trip, I don't yeah, think, I, before. Neither have I. Hmm. So I don't know if it's something new, but... Uh, okay. Well, that may... <laughs> It may not be around for <laughs> well, a whole lot longer. I don't know. Thanks, Ellen. Continuing our conversation with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With so many moving to that virtual platform and working from home, you can guarantee there were bosses all across the country worried about productivity even though there was a hint of worry from Richard Fordyce, he said his team surpassed all expectations. Felt like we would have a little bit of a downtick, um, you know, in productivity and the ability to get, you know, applications out, payments out to producers, um, processing farm loans, all of the things, you know, that happen, um, you know, through the agency. But he actually responded in a very positive manner, and I. You know, I know you and I have had this conversation before. Um, I, I couldn't be happier or prouder or um, uh, or reassured that, you know, we've got some of the most amazing people in the country uh, that work for Farm Service Agency in those local county um, offices that they took it in stride as well. Um, you know, they had a they had a 
they had a bit of a culture shock as well. Um, again, you know, that relationship between, um, you know, between our folks that work in the county offices and producers that they interact with, you know, that relationship has been developed and built over a number of years, and it's been done over the counter. It's been, it's been a face-to-face um, interaction, and when we had to go remote, that couldn't happen anymore. And, and so I was honestly, um, you know, to look back on it, I was pretty concerned about how are we going to be able to, to deliver these programs that we're standing up when we don't have, we're not, we're not allowing producers in the office. And, you know, our people became very um, creative on how that they, how they interacted with folks. Um, and, you know, I've, I've gotten a number of, uh, a number of communications from folks just saying, hey, you know, your people were great. Um, you know, they came up with great ideas and great ways to participate. And, um, you know, I think we'll look back on this time and just be very happy and, and very proud of, of the efforts that everybody put forward, not only our staff, but also producers, because they had to figure out, they had to figure out a way to, to interact with us differently as well. Before we talk about the transition that's underway, I wanted to kind of talk. You've got some things that are underway right now. You've got the quality loss assistance that's available for eligible producers. Let's let's talk about that first. What can they expect within this program? Absolutely. It's kind of the last piece to the WIP or WIP Plus um, program, uh, the disaster response to eligible um, weather events. And, you know, Congress added that um you know, I think it was in March, um, um, with the legislation that also mentioned that we would pay for quality losses to crops. And, you know, with everything, you know, we, our intent was to get that out sooner, um, than we've been able to. Um, but with all of the competing priorities, it wasn't that we weren't working on it. It was being worked on, you know, simultaneous to some of the other things that we were doing, but that program has, has went out and it is, it is designed to offer assistance to producers that saw um, losses uh, in value, primarily to crops and forages, either the forage uh, due to um, you know, lower nutrient values or crops that were being discounted because of quality issues, falling numbers in wheat, you know, test weight or broken kernels, maybe in corn. Um, you know, certainly 2018, we saw significant damage to, you know, kind of the country's soybean crop. And so this is for the, for the crop years of 2018 and 2019. And producers that had production in, the, in one of those two years or both of those years that saw a decrease in, in value due to, um, due to quality. And so... Um, you know, there's some things that the producer is going to have to, you know, have to provide, and that would be some sort of a settlement sheet, uh, warehouse receipt, or something that indicates the, the damage and what the discount was or would have been. Um, if it's a forage crop, we're going to have to have, you know, some documentation that that, that that forage was tested and it was below what would be the expectation of a, of a nutrient value in that forage. Um, you know, a lot of different kind of pieces around uh, the, the quality loss adjustment program, um, you know, and our folks uh, in that in the in the in the county offices will be able to help producers walk through some of the things that they're gonna they're gonna need to provide um, to be eligible for that program. But again, Susan, it's 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 a program that's designed to to offer assistance 
for issues related to quality for the crop years of 2018 and 2019. You also have CRP sign-up, general sign-up underway. It did. It started on Monday, January the 4th, and um, this is our uh, this is really our annual um, general CRP sign-up. So this is the competitive one where landowners will make offers, um, you know, and, and make commitments to, you know, maybe what kind of uh, cover they're going to put out there, what other kind of things are they going to do. Um, and for all of the different um, things that the producer or the landowner uh, agrees to do, they get, they get points for that. And and uh, the, the sign-up runs through February the 12th. FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. time for us to take a look at our midday business report after a good day yesterday. Stocks uh, aren't, well, they're kind of mixed. They're just barely up right now. Bob Brogan has more for us. Well, stocks have been drifting near their record heights, while Treasury yields keep marching higher amid expectations that the economy will pull out of its slump after a powerful recovery sweeps the globe later this year. The S&P 500 was one-tenth percent lower after flipping between small gains and losses in the first hour of trading. The 10-year yield rose to 1.18 percent. Markets have been charging higher recently on optimism about COVID-19 vaccines and the possibility of more stimulus for the economy potentially coming from Washington. In other action, social media platforms are continuing to clamp down on fringe groups and conspiracy theories following last week's deadly riot at the U.S. Capitol. Twitter suspended more than 70,000 accounts associated with the far-right QAnon conspiracy, and Facebook is removing posts and content fraudulently claiming that the U.S. election was stolen as social media companies scramble to rein in harmful activity ahead of the presidential inauguration on January 20th. The European Medicines Agency says AstraZeneca and Oxford University have submitted an application for their COVID-19 vaccine to be licensed across the 27-nation European Union. In a statement today, the EU regulator said it has a request for the vaccine to be green-lighted and that it could be approved by January 29th. General Motors is forming a new business unit to tap the market for delivery vehicles and equipment powered by electricity. The new venture is called Bright Drop, and its first product will be a battery-powered wheeled pallet, say that real fast, that will take goods from the warehouse to trucks and from trucks to destinations. I've always wanted a wheeled pallet truck, Mm -hmm. but uh, I've never been able to find one. Yeah, they're not easy to find. It's, uh, they're well-built, I'm sure. Now they now we will be able to find them. Mm, okay. All right. Very good. Well, maybe that's why energy stocks are up so big and looking at the gainers right now. I thought this was interesting that uh, Occidental Petroleum, Marathon Oil, Halliburton, Devon Energy Corp, all were the big gainers today. And I looked down, oil is up a, uh, about a little over a percentage point, gas up a couple percentage points. So maybe it's on the news of the uh, pallet, uh, the the wheeled pallet, rem- whatever you call it. Well, it's going to be some kind of van, it's but it's, <laughs> you know, if but I will never be able to say what it is. Okay. 
All right. Very good. Well, that's uh, that's news. That's news to us and news for today. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Getting support from friends online kept me on track. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk. I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything. Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went to places that were smoke-free. I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried. I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it. So can you. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. Young Farmer and Rancher Conference is a go in Nebraska. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Ready Network. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Young farmers and ranchers from across Nebraska will be able to gather to network and gain information that they can then use on their operation. Audrey Shipwright is the director of Youth Collegiate to Young Leader Programs at the Nebraska Farm Bureau Federation. Yes, we are so excited to host our annual YSNR conference, the Farmers and Ranchers Conference, January 29th and through 30th in Kearney, Nebraska. This is presented by Nebraska Farm Bureau and Aurora Co- Cooperative, and we are just so excited to be able to bring young farmers and ranchers together to get off their operation finally and um, get some new information, do some networking, and just have a good time. Well, you mentioned it. A lot of people have to be excited to uh, be able to head out and do something like this to uh, be able to see people again, Audrey. So uh, I've got a few questions. First, remind us, who is a young farmer and rancher? What's the age group you're looking for to be able to attend this conference? Well, we don't card people at the door, so don't get scared if you don't fit in the age range. But uh, the Young Farmers and Ranchers program is geared towards people 18 to 35. So if you're in college and studying agriculture all the way up to back on the farm or ranch or in an agribusiness profession, all are welcome. And I think there's going to be a breakout session for every single one of those people I mentioned. What are some of the topics you'll be able to cover at this year's conference? Well, we're really excited that our conference is planned by young farmers and ranchers for young farmers and ranchers. So our wife and our committee put together a great lineup of speakers and kind of broke it down into three categories. So we'll have sessions for cattle producers, um, those more in the livestock sector. And then we have a separate track that's geared more towards people looking to um, start some value-added things on their operation or look at new opportunities that might be possible. I'm really excited. Um, We have a section about fish farming in the Midwest, which I didn't even know was possible being a landlocked state. But that's one of the sessions that I think will be interesting to people as we look for ways to add income on their operations. If people are interested in attending, can can they still register, Audrey? Yes, registrations are still open, and you can do that online at our website, www.nesb.org slash yfrconference. And it is um, $50 for Friday, $50 for Saturday, or $100 for both days. And then we do have a separate student rate, and that is $50 for the entire conference. So we would love people to join us in Kearney and the end of the month. The Young Farmers and Ranchers Group is not just active in January here, though, Audrey. This is a year-round commitment for the leadership group within, and uh, you guys do some activities throughout the year, too, don't you? 
Yeah, we are really excited to start to have more regional events. So those that can't attend the YSNR conference can look for something in their local area put on by Young Farmers Ventures to kind of keep the momentum going from our conference. So those look like social events at a local brewery, maybe an educational speaker, um, just things to kind of keep the momentum going, like I said, from the conference. We also have um, Young Farmers and Ranchers Awards that are available to um, that age group I mentioned throughout the state. And those recognize Young Farmers and Ranchers for their leadership throughout um, agriculture, as well as the goals and um, success they've had on their operation. So right now is the AFDS annual meeting where they are awarding a new Ford pickup to Young Farmers and Ranchers from across the um, country who have excelled in those programs. So. That's another opportunity for young farmers to get involved and also get recognized by Farm Bureau. Those comments from Audrey Shipwright. She's the director of Youth Collegiate and Young Leader Programs at the Nebraska Farm Bureau Federation. We'll post a link to the YFNR registration page online at our website. It's ruralradio.com. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Talking to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as the settlements come here across the limit higher in the corn contract, it's been quite a few trading sessions before we've seen this type of bullish action, but it looks like there's even more room to the upside. Yeah, I mean, at this point in time, the the baffling thing to me is that they dropped the uh, the demand side. All three classes of, of corn demand dropped. Feed residual fell, which is kind of hard to believe given the, uh, the you know, we're seeing the increased numbers out there. On the uh, on the ethanol side, they trimmed it, and on the export side, they trimmed it, which in my opinion is just the total head-scratcher. You have South American numbers that are going to come down here, so I, I don't know. In a way, it kind of paints them into a certain corner here if we see the exports continue to stay strong. Uh, at this point in time, 1.5 carryover might as well be one one three, and uh, if the in the in the instance of beans, I mean, I think you just assume we don't have anything left over. So market's going to have to start to ration here, and already has. But you know, with increased prices in bean oil, increased prices in soybean meal, the crush is going to stay strong. And you have all these animals that are you know, needing to be fed over in China, and they're you know potentially looking at shortfalls as there. So all in all, it's you know setting up for a pretty fun summer if you're if you like to trade volatility. It's going to be wacky. And there you look at South America. We're just now on the precipice of them starting their harvest. Is that what gives us this next leg higher? And where does that next leg truly take us? I mean, are we talking $15.5 soybeans, $6 corn? Yeah, I think, I mean, the fact is we settled out 525 on the on the synthetics here on corn. So 520 was the high from 2014. We, we've dusted that now. And uh, with beans, 15 and some change, I think, is that high. So, I, I mean, imagine we'll run there. Um, you know, it's a weird dynamic because the market's going to have it's still going to have trouble getting supply just due to the logistics and uh, the COVID issues that we're having. Um, you know, aren't going to help. So dynamics are crazy here. And and now you have Russia looking to increase uh, export taxes on wheat. You had the the kind of loss in the sauce today would be the Egyptian tender that came out this morning uh, was fifteen dollars a metric ton over what it was in in uh, December. So you see in that price continuing to rally and you know, hoarding is going to take place. And when I say hoarding, I think it's going to take place by these governments. And I wouldn't be shocked down the road here if we get prices really high that, you know, the government maybe here in the U.S. starts to take some action and try to limit upside, you know, exposure. I don't know how they'll do that, but 
you know, at this point in time, it might be necessary, um, especially if we don't have a U.S. crop. And that's that's going to be the next kind of thing we'll talk about. We have a ways to go before the ag form. I think it's like at the end of middle of February, middle to end of February. Um, so before then, we'll find out acreage. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at DanielZagMarketing.com. Do you remember train future options involve risk of loss? That'll do it for our midday program today. To hear the midday program in its entirety, you can go to podcastsandkrvn.com.